Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Bridget McGowan here and I am joined by Dr. Natalie Forrest. Dr. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about being here and chatting with you. Yes, I am too, because you love what you do. I love what I do. There's nothing but fire to come out of this, I'm sure. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) My first question for you is, when you were starting this thing called adulting and you were searching for a career path, well, I don't know if we do both of those simultaneously, but I digress. Was speaking your initial career ambition? Absolutely not. Uh, I can say that emphatically. And I listened to one of your other shows about introverts and extroverts. And so I am an introvert, even though I've learned that I'm actually an ambivert, which was very interesting. My initial career choice, and that was given to me, handed to me when I came out the womb, was being a teacher. And as we all know, that has a variety of forms to it. So initially, I pursued the career of teaching. And of course, when you teach, especially at a community college and at a college and at university, and then you have to attend conferences, you end up having to speak a lot. So it sort of all came naturally. Well, you and I have similar career paths in that that was my initial profession was teaching. I started teaching Mm -hmm. at a community college and then I started teaching in a summer program at my Mm -hmm. alma mater and so on and so forth. And I, I didn't realize it or didn't think about it when I was a student, but professors are giving a presentation every single time they get up there. I don't know. We just never thought of it that way, but they're giving a presentation. And like you said, you start going to those conferences, you're watching others, you start submitting your own proposals and voila, you're on the stage. So at what point did you shift from teaching to owning the stage and you're a professional speaker? Everything I never did. And, and what I mean by that is that I still see myself as a teacher. And even my energy number says that I'm a teacher. So regardless of where I am, whether I'm in a small room, it's just you and me, whether I'm on a stage with a thousand people, it doesn't really matter because I'm focused on getting a message across and reaching one, two, three people in the room. And I think when that is your focus, then the speaking almost comes, yeah, naturally, it comes the way it is supposed to come out at that point. And I don't believe that there is a a specific uh, system necessarily that you can follow. Even though I know a lot of people use systems, I'm a big proponent of not using systems when you speak. Oh, I want you to talk to us more about that. You see, I'm shifting and twitching. Uh Because as you can imagine from my body language and my energy right now, I do follow a system. I have a very deliberate and 
formulaic way to starting and delivering my presentations. So will you talk to us about how you break free from that and encourage others to do the same? I believe there has to be a structure, okay? There has to be an introduction, a main part, and an end. Right. Obviously. And that's probably the historian in me, whatever. However, the message, in my opinion, and when I talk about soul speaking, that's what I'm referring to. It has to come from the heart. And therefore, even though you know your topic, you're the expert. So the expert will come out. And at any place where you're speaking, it is so important to first connect with the audience. Therefore, I am not a formulaic speaker. Uh, I don't study hand gestures, even though they're supposed to sell. I don't do that because I speak whatever message is coming through me. That might be my spiritual side. And at the same time, I always direct it towards specific people in the audience if I can, because I've actually connected with them before. So that might be a system, but it's not pre-planned. Because literally, when I walk up on stage, I know the topic, I know the time, and I've had instances where I was supposed to talk about A, and speaker after speaker after speaker talked about A, so I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I can't be talking about the same thing, so I go up there, because you're the expert, I'm the expert, we don't need a specific written version necessarily, and so I go up there, and I tell them very frankly, I was supposed to talk to, about A, but you've heard it. So guess what? We're switching to B. And, and I engage with the audience that way. And I think the reason why I'm comfortable doing that is because, as you know, when we're teaching in a classroom, you never know what's going to get thrown at you. So you come in and you think, okay, today I'm going to talk about the Civil War. Well, guess what? You're going to end up talking about I don't know what, you know, weapons of a different kind or philosophy, because somebody asked a question and they're interested. So that's what I mean with I don't follow a system per se. And how important is it to do that? How important is it to, as opposed to following your agenda or your script, mm -hmm. as opposed to doing that, to taking the lead from an interested audience member? How, how, how significant is that? I think it's the, for me personally, it's the only way I can do it. And to me, it also is the only way in which you can be authentic. And what I mean by that is that you and I, we've seen plenty of speakers. And there have been speakers that are great and they come and they go because if you've seen them more than twice, by the third time, you realize they're saying the exact same thing they said the last two times. They just have different tools with them. Instead of the red ping pong balls, they now have green ones. So if it is like that, then the audience might get inspired for a moment. They might get motivated for a moment. But I don't see real shifts happening. And again, I think that to me is being the teacher. I want the audience to get away with something tangible that they can walk away they're inspired they're motivated and they know what to do instead of then two weeks later thinking well that was a great event but I'm back in the rut that I was in before 
I cannot disagree with you whatsoever. As a speaker or a teacher who happens yeah. to have a microphone, that's what, hey, everybody, for this episode, a speaker is someone who is actually a teacher, but you just have something that's amplifying your voice in front of your mouth. I want you to start looking at your presentations from that vantage point where it's about making sure the audience is in a totally different place mentally, emotionally, even psychologically than they were before they entered the room with you. That is your goal. It's to move them. And I know you may worry about going off script, about not using a formula, about taking the lead from someone who is interested. But I'm here to tell you, if you have someone leaning in, if you have someone tuned in on the edge of his or her seat, You want to roll with that and how you shift from the script and roll with it is think of yourself as a teacher. This person is leaning in for a lesson and by golly, I'm going to be the one to give it to him or her. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I I think that's really where, where the difference lies between speakers and speakers and speakers. And I'm not going to uh, a bad mouth systems. I've seen them. It is just not me. For a lot of people, they work fantastically. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they're making more money than I do as a speaker. But that's not why I do why I, why I do what I do. It's, it's because exactly what you said. I want to help somebody make a shift in their lives. It's just like back in the classroom, you saw their eyes all of a sudden go like, whoa. And when I was in the classroom, I realized I wasn't teaching history. I was taught, teaching life skills. So the transition was was normal. It was there really was no other way to do it. And, and and therefore the off script, when I look back at my career, when I try to read a script, I've done it, it just doesn't come from the heart, from the soul. So when I talk about speaking, it's always about soul speak. I, I did a workshop once that was called Soul Speak, and it's like no, you're the expert. Stop hanging on to little script notes because the other thing that I think we always have to remember is what if everything fails? So you've got your PowerPoint, you've got your music, you've got the microphone, and guess what? The electricity goes out. The PowerPoint does not connect because they have a different system or it looks awful, so you just want to shut it down. How are you going to keep the attention of the audience? How are you going to get your point across without all of that? And that's where the only thing that happens is your soul, your heart comes in, and you know the message that you are supposed to deliver that day, that minute to that group with or without all of that hoopla. Mm, There you have it. I like how you called it hoopla. I want (laughs) Because it's true. I want everyone to understand there is nothing more powerful, more electric, more exciting, more engaging that you can put on a slide deck. There's nothing more interesting than you and the words coming from your soul or your heart or from your passion. You can find the slickest images, the greatest graphics. And, and, and I love a PowerPoint deck. I'm, I'm giving a keynote tomorrow. I have 59 gorgeous images and yes. 
and I'm showing every last one of them. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can it be works. fascinating. They can be great stuff in the back. Absolutely. But, but you can do it without it. Exactly. But I'm also prepared. And, and this has probably happened to you, Dr. Natalie, where mm-hmm. if tech does fail, then I'm still ready to move the show on. I'll give it a few minutes, not too long. I'll give AV a little while to fix it. And I'm, I'm pulling the train out of the station. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if we think about not speaking, but think about singers today. Again, I'm not going to pinpoint anybody specific, but you buy an album and you think, oh, wow, they're so cool. And then you see them live and you're like, oh, my God, what happened? Because it doesn't match. So all the tech stuff made them sound good for a moment. You were inspired by the song, but then you get to see them, the authentic them, and it all falls apart. And I'm for doing it the other way around. I'd rather have you see me with a microphone going, uh, this thing ain't working, this thing ain't working. Oh, well, can I just speak a little louder to y'all? How about I come down to you all? And that's the other thing. I love to move in the audience. I mean, you know, on the stage is fine, but then you always have to watch what you're wearing, you know, especially as a girl, as a woman, you can't wear, you know. But I love, I, I usually tell people when I can I don't want to walk on the stage. I want to come from the back. I want to come from the sides. I don't want to be there because I, I see myself as part of the audience. We're all learning together. <laughs> and then you're I'm <laughs> sitting here mouthing, yes, 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 yes. I did a keynote 10 days ago in Tampa and I started down on the floor and they had the riser and everything. And, and the audience actually said, we really want you up there because the people, it was a a yeah. pretty big room hundreds mm-hmm. of people and so I was like ah, I guess and the microphone didn't work and so I know how to use my air to project my voice I was just mm-hmm. going to go at and even at the back of the room again they were like great try but no dice so okay no worries I want you to get into groups you're going to do a quick think pair share on this question we're going to get technology set up we're going to get my myself up there on that stage but I when I hear you I and I say I hear you I hear you I feel the same way. I don't like that. I don't like the podium. Don't, don't give me a lectern or any of that jazz. And I don't like the riser because this is a conversation between us. It feels like there's this wall, this barrier. Yes. Up and, and, and I don't like this notion of elevating me. I get it physically. So you mm-hmm, can see mm-hmm. me, but I just don't see myself and everybody, this is important as a speaker, Try not to see yourself as bigger or better or than your audience because they are experts in their own right out there and you give them a microphone and they can <laughs> educate <laughs> as well. Dr. Natalie Forrest is a revolutionary rule breaker, as you can tell with that last answer. <laughs> A different kind of bilingual, intuitive transformation mentor, spiritual confidence and self-love coach, international best-selling author, and international keynote speaker. She is a TV host, an event producer, 
and first and foremost, a humanitarian. Dr. Natalie uses her spiritual assets and modalities in tandem with coaching and analytical strategies to get you where you can be as your amazing self. She has and is sharing global stages with the likes of Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Forbes Riley, uh, Dame Marie Diamond, and other legends in the, the personal development field. With all of that, she is especially proud of the 2016 President Barack Obama Presidential Volunteer Service Award Lifetime Achievement Award and having the opportunity to guide her amazing daughter to adulthood. Now, I heard you talking about soul speaking a little while ago. Is that what you are most passionate about? Is that your topic that just sets you on fire? Or is there something else that you just light up about when it's time to make a presentation? What I light up about is really helping people, especially women, live their lives their way. And, 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 and what I mean by that is that we've been trained, especially as women, but also, you know, feminine energy in general. We've been trained to hold back, to, to care for everybody else, and we have forgotten who we are. Once we reconnect with ourselves, once we realize how amazing we are, the talents that we have, we're unstoppable. And that, to me, is a void that needs to be filled in society. So, so what I'm passionate about is I say, you know, women at a crossroads, but it's really, it's all of us. We're facing crossroads every single day just by making simple decisions. So I'm really, really so focused on helping people reconnect with themselves so that they can then step out in whatever shape and form they feel is right for them, whether it's as a speaker on an international stage or a cook or a mom or a janitor, I don't care as long as they realize this is my calling. And that's what that's what lights me up every single day. That's why I get up out of bed. Mm, mm. What would you say is one of the biggest mistakes you've seen a speaker make? And how do you avoid it? Well, we're just starting. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, one mistake, huh, Bridget? You want me to just pick one? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I can think of me having made them as well, you know, and, and you mentioned some of them just a little while ago. For example, the lectern, hiding behind the lectern. Now, I think it's important sometimes to have a lectern, especially if you have a big stage and you want, you know, exactly, you want to put your notes down or maybe in between you need to have a sip of water because you're talking, talking, talking and the air is not so great. However, hiding behind a lectern is no good. But what I think is even more <sighs> devastating is to blame somebody else while you're on stage. What I mean by that is blame AV, that you can't get your message across. Or say, well, I was going to talk about these things, but in, in, in a negative way. So I think whenever you put other people down instead of owning your own space, 
and given. I'm not a tech person, but what would I be as a speaker without tech? So I cannot imagine, and I've seen people do that, blame tech for their sound not being good enough, the, uh, the PowerPoint not running quick enough, or the images not looking the way that they were supposed to. That, to me, is a sign of a lack of confidence in your own skills. And when you do that on stage, then I think you might need to go back to the drawing book. When you shine the light on others, it's you who ends up shining. When you try to dim someone else's light, it's your light that mm-hmm. ends up uh-huh, going dark. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd never thought about it that way, but you're spot on. You're you're spot on about that. You, oh, you are. In a little bit, you, yeah, you, I'm telling you, that's huge. In a little bit, you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question. I I, want to dig a little bit more deeply into your presentation topics. Uh Uh-oh. What, well, I want to know, What are the biggest aha moments that you see your audience members getting when you speak, no matter the topic? The value that they possess in themselves. The fact that somewhere at some point, they begin to realize that, yes, I am needed in this world. I am not broken. I don't need fixing per se by somebody else. And I am responsible for my own life. I think those are some of the things, and and I work very hard for people to realize that because it's so comfortable, you know, like you just mentioned with the light, shining the light, you know, it is so comfortable. And we've all been trained that way to just sit there and go, Oh, well, you know, I have to pay bills, so therefore I have to stay in the job. And oh, yeah, well, Aunt Lucy was really negative the other day. So, of course, I went in and had the same negative conversation. But in that mode, you're really adjusting to the negativity. You're talking negative about yourself. You're talking negative to yourself. And then when I'm able to show you that you have a choice, and that aha happens, that to me is, is that's it. And, and that's, you know, in, in other words, when my audience starts to cry, then I know I've done a good job. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it, it, it is because it's that, that it's, it's the release, right? Oh my yeah. God. Yes, I can. Oh yes, I am good. Oh yes. Yeah. I don't need to talk like that. Yes. I do have a choice. Oh, how silly. You know, but all of that in a positive way. It's that release cry, so to speak. Here's your new tagline if you're looking for one. I make people cry. Hire yeah, me. Done that. <laughs> in a I'm good a way. Breaker. I'll make you cry. <laughs> but in a good way, in a self-discovery way. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, but, it, but it's about those emotions and those feelings. I mean, even if, you know, I'm just going to go out there on a limb and say, even if it's like a business 
focused event, right? Yes. But oh, just yeah. having people feel a little bit more and getting past data points and dollar signs, but uh, kind of connecting a little bit more to the human side of business and feeling maybe you're not shedding a tear over <laughs> the yeah. market analysis that we just <laughs> have gone over, but uh, just kind of connecting more on a human level. I think it's- and then I think that's really important because when when i when i address the issue of leadership yeah right we talk a lot about leadership in in the sessions that we do obviously and and you do as well it's you know lead your team lead here lead there. yeah but where does it all start it all starts with you so if you can't lead yourself then how can you lead others whether it's about market analysis whether it's about team building whether it's about a project management if you can't leave lead yourself so it always comes back to that human part in you and the funny thing is and and i'm fully aware that you know this because you've seen it as well is that when you lead from within and that means i call it being the conductor so to speak then everybody follows and it's a team effort and then all of a sudden, the sales go up, the projects go smoother. It's like, wow, bring back the human and things work. Surprise. <laughs> right. What a novel idea. Yep. Okay. What is your question for me? Well, the question for you is about the professional speaker's market. There is a lot of competition and a lot of people believe, at least the ones that I've ran into, that you're only a real speaker if you get paid for every single speaking slot that you have. What is your opinion on that? And what is your advice to speakers who say, if I don't get paid, I don't speak? Oh, okay. I have several thoughts on this. Awesome. All right, so I'm going to work backwards. In terms of that speaker who says, if I don't get paid, I don't speak. Each person has his or her own business model. And you know what works for you and your pocketbook. For me, I do take on a certain number of gratis performances in a year. And there's a number of factors that play that plays into that. Uh, For one, there's a local organization. I'm in the Phoenix, Arizona area, and there's a local organization that bumped into me when I was in career transition, and it is an organization all about career transition. But the funny thing is, the CEO did not know I was in career transition. She had seen me make a presentation, and she approached me about delivering a keynote for her community of career transitioners. And I fell in love with the organization and its mission and its vision, as well as the CEO and some of the the other team members. And so that is a keynote that I give on a regular basis and I don't get paid for. There are other factors, like I said, that go into it. So one, I have an affinity for an organization or the people in it or what it's doing. Another is Getting paid is not always in the form of currency. Right. So perhaps the event organizer cannot pay me $7,000, $10,000, $20,000, whatever the bill is, but maybe the event is able to buy one of my books for each of the 1,000 audience members, and my book sells for $25 per copy. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And then there's also the idea of, is it, is the presentation opportunity in a great location that I've always wanted to visit? And maybe I can turn it into a vacation. Or maybe my family can come along and we can use some of my frequent flyer miles to cut down the cost of the trip. I could just go on and on and on. Are there going to be people in the audience that I really need to connect with? Am I going to have an opportunity to meet with some decision makers? So for those who say, if I don't get paid, then I don't speak, totally a personal preference. I'm not judging you. I am giving you some of my criteria as to how I determine if I will forego a non-paid speaking engagement or if this is something that I'll do. And that's just a few of the factors. Now, for those who think that you're a real speaker only if you get paid, well, that's subjective. The word real what is a real speaker? Now, you can be a real speaker getting paid all kinds of money, but you're not that fabulous. But you might be a fabulous speaker. And what I mean is, you know how to get in there and move the crowd. You know how to get in there and wow the crowd. So maybe you're not, you're not you know, making five figures for a keynote or six figures for a keynote, but you've got this heart in you and you're just starting your speaking business or your speaker life. Mm -hmm. So, and you have that skill set that can't be taught. It's just innate. You just have that talent where you know how to rock the mic. You know how to pour your passion out, but you're just getting started. That may qualify you as a quote unquote real speaker. So again, very subjective. There are going to be some out there who say, huh, well, if you're not making at least a half a million in a year as a speaker, then you're not a real speaker. And I say to each his or her own. Uh, both are definitely subjective. Man, that was a fantastic question. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I, I think we run into that quite a bit. And um, I think all the points that you made are so spot on as well for me. Um, for me, it's also sometimes, you know, will I have access to the list of attendees? Mm -hmm. You know, that can be so, like you say, are there people in the audience that, that I really want to meet? Is it worth the cause? Or who are the other speakers? Maybe I really want to connect with some of the speakers. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or be able to say, because when you read my bio, you'll see in my bio that I'm able to say I've appeared on the same program as President Barack Obama, as Oprah Winfrey, as Dr. Mae Jemison, as Common, Katie Couric. Just recently, Mel Robbins and I were on the same speaker panel, not speaker panel, but same conference agenda and in the same room speaking. So being able to add that those names to your bio get, gives you some cachet if that's important yeah. to you. So it's important to list out what is important to you, what's important to your speaker business, in what way is it important to you. And I'm telling you, I have this whole list of different factors where if a check is not available, then we can, and if it's a speaking engagement I really want to do, right. then we have other conversations. And mm -hmm. I think about how does this advance my speaker career? How does this advance my message? How does this yep. advance others, right? And especially, it might be a new keynote. I've done this before. It might be a new keynote I really want to try out. Mm -hmm. no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got some guinea pigs in front of me. They want me here. So, and, and, and especially maybe if travel is 
an hour or two down the street and I'm back home in time for dinner. Just so many factors play into. And like you said, that attendee list, because then you're able to follow up if they loved your message. If you're a coach or if you do masterminds, perhaps you can sell a a higher ticket item to some of those attendees in the audience if you're able to get that attendee list. And that's what you're driving for. That's what you need. So it really is a matter of each speaker just kind of sitting down and thinking about what's important to him or her, his or her business, his or her message and mission. Yeah. And I like how you said there's a lot of competition out there. I like to call it a lot of flavors out there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. A lot of people, and I think that's scarcity mindset, right? Um, Because there are hundreds, thousands of speakers at this point. And I'm personally, and I don't think you are, I'm not concerned with it. Because I speak my way, you speak your way. Even if you and I both have the same topic, some will resonate with you, some will resonate with me. And that to me is perfect. I was walking down um, a street here the other day and I was playing in my mind with, you know, why are people so worried about uh, competition? And I looked down the street and I, I swear there are seven beauty parlors, just, just hairdressers, seven in a small street that I can walk up and down in like three minutes. Uh, they're not worried about competition because everybody provides something different. And I think if we just understand that and stop trying to copy others when we're speaking, you know, if you, like you said earlier, if you have a system, great. Even if you don't have a system, you have your topic, your passion. And that's what makes you different from anybody else who may generally have the same topic. If a segment of society or community within an industry loves your message, the way you deliver it, the way you show up, the way you shine, you have nothing to be worried about. I mean, think about Baskin Robbins. I guess they're still in business. I don't know. But they got three- Yes, they are. Not much, oh, but yes. The one, the one in our neighborhood closed down, which is strange to me in Phoenix. It's hot. I mean, you can eat ice cream 29 months out of the year so and that was there wasn't a slip of the tongue I'm being facetious with 29 months of the year but the 31 flavors if somebody comes in and picks chocolate and always picks chocolate the other 30 flavors are not bothered because they know their person is coming their way at some point don't get worried if another speaker gets selected for something that is the flavor that that audience needs right now. And maybe your flavor is what that audience needs six months from now or at the next annual meeting. Your chance will come, but your flavor is just just not what that audience is craving right now. Your message is not the one they need right now, maybe later, maybe elsewhere. So just there's there's plenty of room for everybody in the ice cream freezer case. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let that one be. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you have to do with me, Dr. Natalie. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Been there, done that. <laughs> now, I know you have a fabulous presence online. I want you to share with listeners what's something about you, maybe the way you show up as a speaker, maybe what you believe in, your passion. What's something about you that I cannot find online? 
that will help us understand why you love what you do when you get on the microphone? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and and even though even though I am obviously quite visible, I do have my privacy and I love my privacy. Um, that doesn't mean I'm hiding, but I love my privacy. So I spent a lot of time with my daughter, uh, just, you know, hanging out uh, or taking her to horseback riding, uh, riding with the bike to school. So I, I think the one thing that people may not know is either the way that I spend time and treasure the time with my daughter, even though I talk about her a lot, or the fact that I think I'm an animal whisperer. Hmm. Yeah. So the speaking <laughs> thing doesn't work out. Are we looking at another profession here? I mean, I'm an intuitive, so you know, you figure it out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, Dr. Natalie, you have been absolutely outstanding on the show. Everybody, I want you to check out Dr. Natalie's uh, work. You can find her work at the link in the show notes. It's bit.ly forward slash NFI hyphen author. And I'll make sure that URL is put in the notes. Go check out her work. She's phenomenal. You do not want to pass up a chance to learn more from Dr. Natalie Forrest. Dr. Natalie, what else do listeners need to know to make sure they're getting up there and they are being the best versions of themselves and making shifts happen? Trust yourself and allow the message to come through. We all are learning every single time we go up there. So whatever happens when you're on stage, it's going to be perfect for that day, with that audience, and most of all for yourself. Because the question you need to ask yourself when you're up there is, what good is coming for it from it for me? wherever that goes. Mm. That is a key takeaway indeed, if I ever heard one. Dr. Natalie Forrest, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bridget. It was really fun. Excellent, excellent. Mission accomplished. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>